السلام عليك زين الأنبياء السلام بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وأفضل الصلاة وأتم التسليم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين uh, Welcome back everyone and I pray that uh, you all had the opportunity to listen to Habib Hussein's beautiful lesson his first lesson teaching from the lives of man uh, it really is a very profound uh, explanation and really connecting it to the state of our hearts and souls and our connection to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and how our lives uh, and our experience of our souls before coming to this world uh, really connects to our uh, servitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the remembrance of Allah Jalla Jalalu. Uh, so inshallah there didn't seem to be any questions uh, placed in the comments section on, uh, on YouTube for the video. Uh, but there were some questions uh, that remained from this morning's uh, session on the remedy of the hearts. So in the time that we have, inshallah, we'll just cover a few of those questions uh, and make use of, of, of the time. But these questions are relating back to this morning's session on the remedy uh, for the hearts and not uh, speaking to Habib Hussein's lesson uh, specifically. So there's a question here saying that it was mentioned that sincere repentance is with the tongue, heart, through having remorse, and then abandoning the sin. What about repenting from inward sin? How can one abandon inward sin, like a lack of tawakkul, uh, you know, whisperings from the shaitan, not having a good opinion of Allah? Uh, currently, the questioner is saying that they feel that they're struggling with this aspect uh, and they want to trust Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but are constantly in a state of inward uh, disturbance or turbulence. So inward sins also uh, are similar. They're not exactly the same, but they're similar. Is that one should dislike that blameworthy trait that's displeasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and not become comfortable with it. Not say, okay, well, that's how I am. And the questioner who's asking this question, it's an indication that you have Iman, that you have something valuable uh, based on the fact that you're uncomfortable with the fact that there's been a change or there's a new challenge that is affecting your opinion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and your trust in Allah uh, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's a sign of Iman first and foremost. Uh, from there, Disliking that that uh, you know inward state, 
and then also reading books and listening to masters of the inward science of Islam who have the solutions for these kinds of diseases and know the tricks of the nafs and the shaitan and the dunya who can then guide you and help you and give you uh, what you need in terms of uh, solving these problems. And so for example, the books of Imam al-Ghazali are extremely beneficial and uh, particularly it's a higher level, but particularly Ihya Ulum al-Din, the revival of the religious sciences, looking at trusting in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, having a good opinion of Allah Jalla Jalalu. Also the books of Imam Abdullah Ibn Alawi al-Haddad, Imam al-Haddad, may Allah have mercy on him. Uh, and reading his books, for example, the Book of Assistance or the Lives of Man, which was just being commented on by Habib Hussein or uh, councils of religion and so forth. And then also uh, uh, being in gatherings of goodness. Obviously, that's a little bit more difficult with the current uh, state that we're in, in terms of the pandemic and so forth but really trying to be in gatherings of goodness. The fact that you've registered for this retreat and you're following along is a sign that you're seeking out the gatherings of goodness and being around people that remind you of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and lift your state. Uh, so, you know, going, going forward that way. And then if you do have the opportunity to speak to, you know, an expert uh, in tasawwuf, the expert in the states of the heart, uh, then you can get into more specifics if you still struggle uh, with that challenge. And Allah knows best. Now, in the Quran, the next question, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says many times, uh, make istighfar and then make tawbah. So there's an example, uh, Surah 11, verse 52. What is the key difference between istighfar and tawbah? Istighfar. It, which is in Arabic saying astaghfirullah uh, and it relates to the root ghafara which means to forgive istighfar literally means to seek forgiveness so when we say astaghfirullah I'm seeking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's forgiveness that's something with the tongue and tawbah is something with the heart so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is reminding us that we should uh, actually physically and spiritually return to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So physically through verbalizing that tawbah, verbalizing the need for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's forgiveness. Astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah. And what you say with the tongue will eventually reach the heart. I remember one of my teachers at Habib Qadim saying, that if someone says thousands of times, Astaghfirullah, 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 even if their heart is not in a state of repentance just yet, if they say it abundantly enough, it will remove the rust from the heart and affect the heart and that person will make a tawbah. So it is as if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us to verbalize our need for Allah's forgiveness and then inshaAllah, turning to him and with uh, uh, spiritually entering into a state of repentance and turning back to him. So istighfar is asking for forgiveness and seeking Allah's forgiveness. Tawbah literally means to turn back. 
to turn back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and, uh, and to make a, a, a lifelong change so that, uh, uh, you know, never falling, inshallah, into those mistakes again. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. And then there's another question about the definition of wird. This is a word uh, in the Arabic language, wird. It literally means, it's often translated as litany, uh, but what it means is something that is done regularly. So the ulama say, Imam al-Haddad says in the Book of Assistance, that you should have different kinds of wirds, of awrad. The plural is awrad. You have wird is singular, awrad is the plural. He said you should have a wird of Qur'an, a wird of extra prayers, a wird of fasting, and so forth. And what it means is that you have a routine. You have a certain routine that you stick to. Uh, for example, I'm going to read five pages of Qur'an every day. That's my wird. That's my routine. That's what I'm setting for myself. Or I'm going to pray X number of sunnah prayers every day. Or I'm going to fast three days a month or Mondays and Thursdays, whatever it may be. All of those things are literally awrad. Oftentimes when people refer to uh, the word generally, they refer to the prophetic supplications of the morning and evening. Tamam. Is there a difference then, the, the questioner is asking, between the two words we are reciting? Uh, there are differences in the different invocations. So the word that we recited in the morning, al-wird al-latif, it's actually recommended to be recited in the morning and the evening. Uh, the Prophet ﷺ, it's part of his adhkar al-sabahi wal-masa, his invocations of the morning and the evening. And then the ratib al-shahir, there are uh, different invocations that have different benefits and different uh, uh, gifts from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So generally, it's a protection, it's a source of protection, it's a means for seeking assistance and support from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for blessings in your rizq, in your provision. And then the ratib that we recited also uh, uh, has other invocations that also indicate uh, different kinds of protection as well and it's generally recited at night uh, and they have different benefits and different functions and the awrad are sort of like vitamins and nutrients they're all beneficial and the scholars uh, of uh, deep understanding and who uh, know the nusuls who understand the the verses from the quran and the prophetic uh, recommendations they know what medicine treats, uh, you know, what particular disease and what nutrients a person might need. Uh, so sometimes they will recommend different awrad for different circumstances and different benefits. Now, are they interchangeable? Generally, uh, now, generally the, the awrad of the sabah and the masa are the same with slight variations in particular invocations that are from the Prophet Sallallahu So for example, in the morning we would say, Asbahna wa asbah al-munku lillahi rabbil alameen. We have awoken and all of that is in Allah's dominion has awoken. Uh, and uh, uh, wa asbah al-munku And everything in Allah's dominion belongs to him. So you would say, we have awoken in the morning and we would say, Amsayna wa amsa al-munku at night. So that's uh, another 
small difference between the two. Wallahu a'lam. Inshallah, we'll just take a, uh, a couple minutes just to prepare and transition now into uh, the last class for the day, which is Remedy for the Hearts. Once again, looking at uh, the meanings and benefits of repentance and turning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Should we just continue on? Tamam, do that. No, 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 we'll just continue on in terms of, okay. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. Bismillahir Rahman Rahim, alhamdulillahir Rabbil Alameen. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa barak ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. Allahumma salli wa sallim ala Sayyidina Muhammadin miftahi babi rahmatillah. Adada ma fi ilman la salatan wa salaman da'imayni bidawami mulkillah. وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين اللهم نوينا التعلم والتعليم وتذكر والتذكير والنفع والانتفاع والإفادة والاستفادة والحث على التمسك بكتاب الله وسنة رسوله والدعاء إلى الهدى والدلالة على الخير ابتغاء وجه الله ومرضاته وقربه وثوابه سبحانه وتعالى This is the second lesson uh, of remedy uh, for the hearts where we're going to inshallah look at a beautiful book by Al-Habib Ahmed bin Zayn Al-Habashi, one of the uh, foremost students and main students of Imam Al-Haddad. Uh, and he wrote this book, Tiryaq Al-Qulubi Wal-Absar, the remedy for uh, the hearts and for the inner sight, uh, relating to the various and profound uh, types of knowledge that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed in Sayyidul Istighfar, the preeminent formula for seeking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's forgiveness. And uh, for those who uh, have the packet, the course uh, packet for the summer retreat, uh, what you should also have there is uh, Sayyidul Istighfar. And inshallah, we'll read it at the beginning of every lesson putting it into practice and seeking forgiveness and blessings from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and praying and hoping that Allah gives us a great portion of all of the profound meanings contain, contained within. So uh, uh, we'll go along with the dua. Allahumma anta rabbi la ilaha illa ant. Oh Allah, you are my Lord and there is no God but you. خَلَقْتَنِي وَأَنَا عَبْدُكَ You have created me and I am your servant and slave. وَأَنَا عَلَىٰ عَهْدِكَ وَوَعْدِكَ مَسْتَطَعَتْ And I am upholding your covenant and promise as well as I can. أَعُوذُ بِكَ مِنْ شَرِّ مَا صَنَعْتْ I seek refuge in you. I seek your protection against the evil that I have done. I acknowledge your favors upon me and I acknowledge my sin. So forgive me. So for none forgive sins except you. So this is the Sayyidul Istighfar, the most uh, uh, eminent, the preeminent formula for seeking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's forgiveness. So in the first lesson this morning, we uh, looked at verses of the Qur'an related to tawbah, related to seeking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's forgiveness. And in this lesson, we'll look at a hadith related to seeking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's forgiveness. And inshallah, 
uh, will, as we benefited from uh, the best speech, the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, will now benefit from uh, His greatest beloved and the manifestation of the character traits that are beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and looking at the words and guidance of the one whose character was the Qur'an salawatullahi wa salamuhu alayhi So there's uh, this hadith from the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam where Abu Huraira says سَمِعْتُ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمَ يَقُولُ Abu Huraira says I heard the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam say وَاللَّهِ إِنِّي لَأَسْتَغْفِرُ اللَّهَ وَأَتُوبُ إِلَيْهِ فِي الْيَوْمِ أَكْثَرَ مِنْ سَبْعِينَ مَرَّةِ He said sallallahu alayhi wa sallam By Allah I certainly ask Allah's forgiveness and turn back to Him uh, each day more than 70 times more than 70 times. And we actually talked about this in the first lesson and it's worth repeating that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, is infallible. He's Allah's greatest beloved and all of the Prophets and Messengers are protected from sin and are infallible. They're ma'asumeen. So why would the Messenger of Allah ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's forgiveness? And this is what they say, you know, سَيِّئَاتُ muqarrabin hasanatul abrar the misdeeds of those who are brought close at the highest degrees of nearness to Allah are actually the good deeds of the abrar, of the pious. And it shows that there's various degrees. So the Prophet whenever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would bestow a, a manifestation upon him and remove uh, uh, and lift him a higher degree, the Messenger of Allah وسلم, the more he came to know Allah, the more his awe and reverence and glorification of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala increased, the more he felt that his previous state and the previous knowledge, which was greater than all of creation, but the, the, the more he would feel that that previous degree of knowledge was not befitting of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala deserves, so he would ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for forgiveness. That's the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam's istighfar. And in another narration, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi says, uh, I turn back to Allah fil yawmi mi'ata marrah. I turn back to Allah and uh, uh, seek nearness to Him and repent to Him a hundred times a day. So if that's the Messenger of Allah, the greatest beloved, the one who doesn't need doesn't have sins to ask Allah forgiveness for sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, then what does that say about us? And we have to realize, especially in times of tribulation, when we're humbled and we realize that we don't have control over the world the way that we thought we did. We're not as entitled as we thought we were. We have to realize in these times especially that asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's forgiveness and making a transformative change is the remedy for our hearts. It is therapeutic for our soul. And it brings us closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it is the means by which we seek relief and uh, uh, alleviation for the difficulties from Him subhanahu wa ta'ala and none can remove that difficulty except Allah Jalla Jalalu. The next hadith will look at the Messenger of Allah salawatullahi wa salamu shows us how merciful Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with us. The gentleness of our Lord. How Allah Jalla Jalaluh 
really extends and loves uh, repentance from his servants. So it's a beautiful hadith. Many of us might have heard it before, but it's always, there's, a, there's anwar. There are lights in the words of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, And we always want those lights to pollinate our souls. So even if we've heard a hadith 99 times, maybe the hundredth time that you hear that hadith, Allah will give you an opening and a special understanding. So the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said that Allah is more pleased with His servants Tawbah, his servants' repentance, then, and then the Prophet ﷺ draws an analogy for us. And he gives us this beautiful similitude that helps us understand Allah's mercy and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with us when we turn back to him. And he says, It's like a man who fell off his steed, his riding beast. And his beast ran off and left him in a deserted area, in a deserted land. There's no water. There's no help. You know, and these are people hearing this from the Messenger of Allah who grew up in the desert. And if you've ever been to the desert, the desert has a rigor and a majesty. It's awe-inspiring. You don't come to the desert with arrogance. You can't because it will lead to disaster. So this man is left in the middle of nowhere and his steed has run off. Tamam. So, and then the Prophet وسلم, says, uh, uh, and his steed had his water and his drink. So now he has no hope left. So he's lost all hope that this camel or this donkey, whatever it may have been, is going to return with his food and water and that he's going to be able to go home safely and survive. So at the point where he's lost all hope, he lays down under a tree, under the shade of the tree, and as he's lying down there, and he's starting to really come to terms with his own mortality. Okay, my, my steed has run off, I'm going to die. So I might as well get comfortable under this tree and lay down until dehydration and starvation take me and I die in the desert, right? So as he kind of comes to terms with that reality, and he probably was thinking of his family, thinking of his loved ones, all the things that uh, needed to be done. As he's lying, laying down there and he comes to terms with this reality that uh, the steed comes back, his camel or his horse, whatever it may have been, suddenly reappears. So he's laying down, he opens his eyes and he sees that his steed has come back. So now he's so overtaken by joy. He is in a state of overwhelmed by this ecstasy and this happiness that not only is he saved, he's not going to die and his steed has come back. So he's so overcome that he says, Allahumma, He's so happy that he actually doesn't know what he's saying. He mixes up the order of what he meant to say. He meant to say, Oh Allah, you are my Lord and I am your servant. Out of gratitude, saying, Oh Allah, you are my Lord, I am your servant, and you were so generous in returning my steed to me. But he was so happy that he actually mixed it up and he said, Oh Allah, 
You are my servant and I am your Lord. <laughs> That's how happy he was. The Prophet says, min farah. He mixed it up because of the intensity of his happiness. The Prophet teaches us about this man and the, the degree, the great degree of happiness that he has. And he tells us at the beginning, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is more pleased with his servant's repentance than with this man's happiness in this life or death situation. Look at how merciful Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is inviting us to turn back to him. A lot of people have this relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala where they think Allah is out to get them. And that's a miseducation that often, unfortunately, became widespread for a little while, but we cannot have that opinion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We have to have a good opinion of Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala. And I remember one of my teachers, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy on him, Habib Abu Bakr al-Kaf, he would tell us that Prophet Musa alayhi salam, he asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he said, Oh Allah, what do you say when your obedient servant calls upon you? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told Sayyidina Musa, he said, I say, لَبَّيْكَ abdi, I am at your service, my servant and slave of mine. Oh, servant and slave of mine. Look at Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy and generosity. That's what Allah says to the obedient servant. Then he said, what do you say when your disobedient servant calls upon you? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, لَبَّيْكَ abdi, لَبَّيْكَ abdi, لَبَّيْكَ abdi." Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala repeated the statement three times. Why? Out of extending his mercy so that his servant would turn back to him. And then there was another story he would always tell us that a man, he had a, an idol that he worshipped. So he would say the word for idol in Arabic is sanam, sanam. So he'd say, ya sanam, ya sanam, ya sanam. Oh my, my idol, my idol, my idol, my idol. One time he his tongue slipped up and he said, Ya Samad, which is one of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Labbayka abdi. Look at how generous Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. Allah has opened up the door of tawbah for us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has extended this invitation and this mercy and he sent his greatest beloved, the best of creation. Wama arsalnaka illa rahmatan lil'alameen. The reality is, we're the ones holding back. The reality is we're the ones falling short. That's it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues to bestow His mercy and blessings upon us. We're the ones holding our own selves back. So we have to turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's one of the ahadith that shows the degree to which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves His servants' repentance and turning back to Him. And the next hadith, this is, we're just going through some of the ahadith from Riyadhul Salihin and Imam al-Nawawi rahimahullah and all the great muhaddithin. They were masters in even the order that they would present a hadith in. Just brilliant. Radiyallahu anhum, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be well pleased with them and give them the best reward on behalf of the ummah. Uh, on the authority of Abi Musa al-Ash'ari radiyallahu anhu anan nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam aqal inna allaha ta'ala yabsutu yadahu bil-layl liyatuba musi'un nahar 
ويبسط يده بالنهار ليتوب مسيء الليل حتى تطلع الشمس من مغربها. That the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Truly Allah extends his hand at night so that uh, the person who uh, per- commits mistakes and sins in the day can turn back to him. Allah extends his hand at night, in other words, extends his mercy at night so that the person who makes mistakes during the day can ask Allah for forgiveness. And Allah extends his hand in the day so that the person who commits sins and make mis- makes mistakes during the night can turn back to him and perform tawbah. And that occurs every single night and every single day until the sun rises from the west. In other words, until the day of resurrection and the end of time. When that time comes, the door of tawbah is closed. In other words, we have so many opportunities. And for all of us, we have to take advantage of the opportunity because uh, uh, every person's individual day of resurrection and individual last hour comes at the moment of their death. So people wonder, when is the hour? When is the hour? When is the hour? The hour is when you die. So prepare for it uh, from now. Naam. And that the opportunity is extended by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as long as we have life. And there are other ahadith that indicate that. Another famous uh, hadith that Imam An-Nawi mentions here, just talking about the words of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam as it relates to repentance, is a very famous story. But we got to think about it. Because when we hear these stories that come from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, or the stories even in the Qur'an al-Kareem, the noble Qur'an, we have to realize that these are true stories. These were real people. And we have to see similar examples in our lives today. So this is the story about the man who killed 99 people. Obviously, taking a soul is a grave sin. One soul. It's as if a person has killed all of humanity. It's a grave sin. And this man killed 99. But who are you or I or anyone else to say who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive and who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala won't forgive. So this man killed 99 people and then he asked about who is the most knowledgeable person in the land. So they took him to a monk, an ascetic, who just worshipped Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there's a beautiful indication here in the hadith about the superiority of knowledge over even righteousness and piety alone without knowledge like the case of this monk. So they took him to the monk. So then they said, this man has killed 99 people. So does he have the chance to repent and for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's forgiveness? So the monk said, no. Think about it. This is a man whose life is devoted to worship. He sees someone whose life is on the total opposite end uh, of the spectrum of killing people. He said, absolutely not. So then that man got angry and he ended up killing the monk. Making it 100. So then he asked again, who is the most knowledgeable person in the land? So then they, uh, the second time, they guided him to a person who was a scholar, was a alim. He wasn't just a monk, but he was a alim. He was someone of deep understanding. 
So then they told him, they said, this man killed 100 people. So does he have a chance at repentance? So then the scholar said, yes. Who can get between him and repentance? Who can stand between him and Allah? The door is open. No one in creation can stop someone who wants to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But then he gave him beautiful advice. He said, He said, but travel to this particular land. Uh, and he named whatever place that was. And there are people there who worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is a good and righteous environment. There are people of Allah people of gatherings of remembrance and worship, go worship Allah with them. And do not come back to this homeland of yours because it's an evil place. It will affect you negatively. So this man went out. He wanted to make tawbah. He committed grave sins. And he wanted to make Tawbah. So he made his way to that land. And right when he re reached the halfway point, he died. So then the angels differed over what to do with him. So the angel of mercy and the angel of punishment came and said, what do we do with this man? So the angel of mercy said, he came turning back to Allah and his heart was uh, uh, oriented towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But then the angel of punishment said, he didn't do any good in his life. <laughs> but there's also an indication here. What did the first angel say? His heart was oriented towards Allah. Even though he might not have done anything with his body, with his limbs, he didn't perform any righteous actions. His heart changed. His heart changed. And it was turned towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is no small thing. So then a third angel came in the form of a man. So he uh, arbitrated between them. So then he said to them, okay, measure the distance between the two cities, the city where he committed all of these crimes and the city where he was going to worship with the people of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So then they measured and they found that he was a little bit closer to the land that he was seeking out to make Tawbah in. So then the angel of mercy took his soul and took him to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy. And in another narration, that uh, uh, he was one hand span closer to the land of goodness, of righteousness, by just one hand span. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepted his tawbah. And in yet another narration, uh, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, فَأَوْحَ اللَّهِ تَعَالَ إِلَى هَذِهِ أَن تَبَاعِدِي وَإِلَى هَذِهِ أَن تَقَرَّبِي That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inspired the earth. So he said to the bad land where he committed these evil sins, said, distance yourself from him. And the good land, come closer to him. So it's as if he was rolled up a little bit and pushed by the earth itself closer to the land of his Tawbah. And all of these are just indications of 
the degrees and the extent of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's generosity and mercy. Naam. And in one narration, this is beautiful. In one narration, as he was dying, he extended his chest and pushed his chest forward towards the direction of the land where he wanted to repent. Someone might say, what good is that going to do? His heart was turned towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he did what he could, so he was accepted. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us a sincere tawbah. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make our last moments, moments of turning to him, inwardly and outwardly. Ya Akram al-Akramin wa ya Arham al-Rahimin. The last story that we'll end with for the night, the last hadith, it's a beautiful story. It is straight from the uh, ocean and the wellspring of Nubuwa and of the greatest generation of people who ever lived on the face of the earth, the companions of Allah's Messenger It's a very long story. It actually covers about six or seven pages. And most ahadith are actually generally, at least in Riyadh al-Salihin, relatively short. But this is a longer story narrated by Sayyidina Ka'ab ibn Malik radiyallahu anhu. So we'll look at some excerpts, but I'll just give you the gist. Is that Sayyidina Ka'ab ibn Malik radiyallahu anhu was a noble companion of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa wasallam, and he was very sincere. And he actually uh, was present and accompanied the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa wasallam in numerous battles. Of them, the Battle of Uhud and the Battle of the Trench. But when the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa wasallam, when he set out for a famous battle, the Battle of Tabuk, and he told the companions to prepare themselves and to come with him, he, in his mind, he said, okay, I'm just going to go home and take care of a few errands, and then I'll catch up with the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. So then one thing led to another, and then time passed, and he then basically made an excuse and said, so much time has passed, I just won't go. And he didn't have a good excuse at all. And, uh, you know, he, he even said to himself, you know, I'm able to do that uh, and follow the messenger of Allah. But he said one thing led to another and everyone went on their way and I stayed behind. So when the messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa look at, look at, his knowledge of his companions. Look at the love and concern he has and the desire for good that he wants for his Sahaba, Salawatullahi wa salamu alayhi, and that he wants for his entire Ummah. Salawatullahi wa salamu alayhi wa ruhi lahu al-fida. That he said, Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when they arrived at Tabuk, he said, Ma fa'ala Ka'b ibn Malik. So what, what did Ka'b ibn Malik do? What happened with Ka'b ibn Malik? He wasn't with them. And the Messenger of Allah noticed that. Uh, so then one of the uh, people, one of the other companions, he was upset that he didn't join with them. So then he said, you know, he stayed home and wanted to be comfortable and just stay with his, his wives and comfortably sit at home. So then Sayyidina Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiyallahu anhu, this beautiful and noble companion of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa who narrates many ahadith about love. 
and the importance of loving your brothers for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he actually stood up for Sayyidina Ka'ab ibn Malik and he said, that's a bad thing that you said. Wallahi, ya Rasulullah, ma alimna alayhi illa khayra. O Messenger of Allah, we only know good about him. And think about in today's world, how many people are willing to stand up for one another when others speak ill of them. Al-Muhim, uh, back to the story, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he uh, uh, remained quiet and as they were sitting there, they saw a rider approaching them. Once again, this is one of the miracles of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu These ahadith are so amazing because they're so rich. There's so many different angles you could uh, talk about the hadith from, but inshallah we'll just try to stay focused. But as they saw this rider approaching, the Prophet said, Kun Aba Khaythama, be Abu Khaythama. And who was it? It was Abu Khaythama, salawatullahi wa salamu alayhi, which is one of his uh, mu'jizat, one of his miracles. Anyway, so they go to Tabuk, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam takes part in the battle of Tabuk and when they return to Medina, the hypocrites and uh, over 80 people, 80 men stayed behind. Over 80 men stayed behind. And Sayyidina Ka'b ibn Malik عنه, he himself said, after everyone left, I was ashamed of the company that I was surrounded by because everyone I was surrounded by, everyone in Medina knew that they were hypocrites, very obviously hypocrites. So he felt really ashamed of himself that that was the company that he was in and all of the sincere uh, companions were with the Messenger of Allah وسلم, except for a very small few. So when the Messenger of Allah came back, they uh, 80 or so uh, men came to him uh, and they started uh, making their excuses. Oh, Messenger of Allah, we weren't able to. And they all kind of had excuses and were trying to save face. But who are you being dishonest with? It's the Messenger of Allah If you knew his degree of kashf, if you knew what Allah unveiled for him of seeing what's in people's hearts, even though he would only judge people based on the outward, but he knew what was in people's hearts, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and that Allah would reveal the truth anyway. He's going to protect his beloved and ultimately will stand before Allah. But they all came with different excuses and, the, and swearing by Allah, Wallahi this, Wallahi that. And the Prophet وسلم, he accepted their apologies and he accepted their excuses. And then he took the oath of allegiance from them again, the bay'ah from them again. And he asked Allah for, to forgive them. And he said, I leave your inward, the state of your heart, I leave that with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Naam. So then when Sayyidina Ka'b ibn Malik, he's narrating the story. He said, when I came to the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and when I said salam to him, tabassama tabassumal mughdabi. When he smiled at me, he smiled a smile of a person who was angry, who was upset. Someone smiles. You know, it's almost like a forced smile, but he knew from the beautiful and noble and majestic face of the Messenger of Allah that he was disappointed. So the Prophet said, ما خلفك ألم تكن قد ابتعدت ظهرك He said, what, why did you stay behind? What kept you behind? So then Sayyidina Ka'ab ibn Malik, he does the right thing. He said, O Messenger of Allah, 
uh, if I was to sit by Allah with anyone other than you from the people of the dunya, I would have found a way out. I would have found a way out through some sort of excuse. And Allah gave me the gift of, you know, knowing how to talk to people. But I know that if I lied to you in order to appease you, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would make you angry with me. He didn't want to lose Allah's love nor the love of Sayyidina Rasulullah But if I tell you the truth, you'll find that I really didn't have any excuse and I'm fearful of Allah's punishment. So it's kind of, I don't know what to do. I, don't, I can't lie to you, but the truth is also not very positive. And he said, I had no excuse. Wallahi, ma kana li min I had no valid excuse. And I am strong and I have the ability to be with you. So then the Prophet وسلم, said, He said, as for this one, He's spoken the truth. So rise up and we'll see what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decrees uh, uh, and, and judges with regards to you. Naam. So then there were two other uh, sahaba who also stayed behind and they also uh, gave the same, uh, the same uh, response or the same answer that Sayyidina Ka'ab ibn Malik radiallahu anhu gave, and that was Sayyidina Murara ibn al-Rabi' al-Amri wa Hilal ibn Umayyah al-Waqifi. So when he heard that the two others who gave the same excuse as him were those two Sahaba, he said, these are two righteous men. So, alhamdulillah, I said the same thing that they said, and I'm in good company in that regard. So he said, uh, uh, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi he forbade anyone from speaking to us until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala judged uh, our case. Naam. And that went on for 50 nights, 5-0. 50 days, these three sahaba, nobody was allowed to speak to them. And they were kind of uh, uh, waiting, awaiting judgment from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Naam. And he said, As for my two other friends, the two other righteous Sahaba who were sincere, they stayed at home and they would weep because they felt the state of their sin, of, of staying behind the mistake that they made. فكنت أخرج فأشهد الصلاة مع المسلمين وأطوف في الأسواق ولا يكلمني أحد. He said, as for me, I mixed with the people. I would pray in the masjid and I would go to the marketplace and nobody would talk to me. وآتي رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فأسلم عليه وهو في مجلسه بعد الصلاة. So then I would come to the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم and I would send salam to him as he was sitting in the, the place where he would sit after the salah. And look at the love that they had for Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So then I would say to myself, you know, when I say salam to him, did his lips just move? Did he respond to me? You know, they wanted that affirmation. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he sent as a mercy to all the worlds. He's awaiting the commandment from his Lord. 
he does not feel that he has a say in the matter, salawatullahi wa salamu and he's waiting for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's judgment. Such a beautiful hadith. He said, then I would, I would pray next to him and I would literally in Arabic steal, try to steal some glances from him. I would just look out the corner of my eye to see if he's looking at me. That's how much they love the Prophet So when I would be in the salah, he would look at me. <laughs> so when I would look at him, he would turn away. So then the hadith goes on that even some of his closest friends wouldn't speak to him. And they continued to wait for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's judgment. And then the Prophet said that even their wives could not be intimate with them. This was after 40 days that the command came that their wives could not be with them. So then Sayyidina Ka'b ibn Malik, he said to his wife, go stay with your family for the duration of the time until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, judges between us. While he's going through this, this is now 40 days where no one's speaking to them. His own wife is staying with her family. Then, then Sayyidina Ka'b ibn Malik, he gets a, a letter from a non-Muslim king. And he says to him, it has reached us, and he could read, he was one of the people who could read, it has reached us that your friend, your companion, i.e. the Messenger of Allah وسلم, has turned a cold shoulder to you. And Allah has not made you someone who is lowly and of low you know, honor in regards to your tribe and so forth. And uh, so come join me and I will take care of you. So then Sayyidina Ka'b ibn Malik, he reads this and he says, And this is another degree of tribulation. That at this difficult time, he's getting tempted into seeking support from someone who is misguided. And he's trying to steal away the companions of Allah's Messenger So then he burned the letter. He didn't want anything to do with it. And then 40 days passed of the 50 days. So they were waiting for revelation to come from the Messenger of Allah And one of the other Sahaba, who the Prophet said that his wife, they cannot be intimate. His wife said, he's an old man and I just serve him. I just take care of him, so can I stay with him? And the Prophet said, you can stay with him. In that case, to help him so that no harm comes to him. So as they're waiting, and he said that after 50 days, it was as if the entire world was constricted around them and there was no welcome and no comfort in the world. He said, as I was sitting there one day, at that moment, I heard someone call out with a loud voice, Ya Ka'b ibn Malik, abshir! Oh Ka'b ibn Malik, good news! فَخَرَرْتُ سَاجِدًا وَعَرَفْتُ أَنَّهُ قَدْ جَاءَ فَرَجٌ So look at the Sahaba, look at these people of sincere Iman. The tribulation, the test that he just went through. Immediately he said, I went into sujood and I knew that the relief had come. And we're waiting for relief. But we know that every tribulation, every test has its appointed time. And the believers in times of difficulty and in times of ease, 
they're always with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and uh, in both situations and whoever is with Allah in both situations is successful. فَذَهَبَ النَّاسُ نَعْمْ فَأَذَنَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ النَّاسُ بِتَوْبَةِ اللَّهِ بِتَوْبَةِ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلَّ عَلَيْنَا حِينَ صَلَّى صَلَاتِ الْفَجْرِ So the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم he announced that Allah had forgiven us when he prayed with the community after Salat al-Fajr. So people went out to give the good news to these three Sahaba who uh, went through this uh, experience as part of their tawbah. Naam. So then as soon as Sayyidina Ka'b ibn Malik, the man who yelled out, finally reached him. Because he said, my voice will reach him before I can actually get to him. Out of how happy the whole community was. So here's another thing, is that yes, they're following Allah's commandments. They're not talking to these Sahaba, not because they like it, but because they're in a state of ubudiyah. But as soon as Allah forgave them, everyone was happy. Everyone rejoiced. So they went out and gave him the good news. And Sayyidina Ka'b ibn Malik said, the person who yelled out the good news to me when I saw him, I gave him the clothes off of my back. And he said, and I only owned two uh, pieces of clothing to cover myself with. So then he said, so then I borrowed someone else's clothes so that I could go see the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Look at the simple life that they led. So then he said, when I reached the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said, the entire way people were coming in groups and they were congratulating us. They were congratulating us for the tawbah. Think about that. People celebrate all different kinds of things in the world. Imagine that you receive revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon the heart of His greatest beloved that He then conveys to the community and tells them directly from Allah in his uncreated, inimitable speech of the Qur'an that these three Sahaba were forgiven. What a joy. What a celebration. That's a true Eid. That you have that kind of, you kind have that t a testament coming straight from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So everyone would say, you know, uh, we congratulate you for Allah's uh, uh, relenting and tawbah that he's granted upon you. He said, until I came to the masjid and I saw the messenger of Allah and people were surrounding him. So uh, I came to him and I spoke to the messenger of Allah So then the Prophet uh, he said, so Sayyidina Ka'ab says, فَلَمَّا سَلَّمْتُ عَلَىٰ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ وَهُوَ يَبْرُقُ وَجْهُهُ مِنَ السُّرُورِ His face was radiant like a lightning bolt from the radiance and the brilliance from the happiness that was on his face sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa the prophet then said to him abshir bi khayri yawmin marra alayka mudwaladatka ummuk i give you the good news of the best day of your life from the day your mother gave birth to you faqultu amin indika ya rasulullah amin indillah is this good news from you or from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Qala la bal min indillahi azza wa jal. No, it is from Allah, glorious and majestic. And then look at this. This is another beautiful Latifa. We don't have a lot of time to go over all of these details. But look at how Sayyidina Ka'b ibn Malik is relaying all of the details of this story. And then he just takes a, a detour. 
And then he goes into describing the beauty of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi He said, وَكَانَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ إِذَا سُرَّ إِسْتَنَارَ وَجْهُهُ حَتَّى كَأَنَّ وَجْهُهُ قِطَعَةُ قَمَرُ He said, the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu when he became happy, his face would light up until it was like a piece of the moon. صَلَوَاتُ اللَّهِ وَسَلَامُهُ عَلَيْهِ وَكُنَّا نَعْرِفُ ذَلِكَ مِنْهُ And we could tell when he was in such a good mood, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So then when I sat before him, I said, Oh, Messenger of Allah, I want from my repentance that I give some of my wealth uh, to Allah and His Messenger. The Prophet ﷺ said, hold on to some of your wealth because you will benefit from that. Uh, so then the Prophet Wasallam, then uh, uh, he said, O Messenger of Allah, Allah forgave me because I was truthful to you. In that moment when other people were finding other excuses, he was truthful and he said, O oh, Messenger of Allah, you are Allah's Messenger. I cannot lie to you. It will be shown to you and I don't have an excuse. He said, because Allah saved me for being truthful to you from this day forward, I will only speak the truth. And he said, from the day I said that to the Messenger of Allah, so I, said, I never intentionally said anything that was untrue. Naam. And he said, and I hope that Allah protects me for the rest of my life and what remains that I remain true. And then the verses of Quran that were revealed uh, were these beautiful verses from Surah At-Tawbah, the Surah of Repentance, where Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala says, "Laqad taba Allahu 'ala an-nabiyyi wal-muhajirina wal-ansar alladhina tab'uhu fi sa'at al-'usrati min ba'di ma kada yazigh qulub fariq minhum thumma taba 'alayhum 'alayhim" Allah has certainly turned in mercy to the Prophet as well as the emigrants and the helpers who stood by him in the time of hardship at the Battle of Tabuk. After the hearts of a, of a group of them had almost faltered, he then accepted their repentance. Surely he is ever gracious and most merciful to them. And then those were the people who were in Tabuk. Then these verses are about وَعَلَى الْثَلَاثَةِ الَّذِينَ خُلِّفُوا حَتَّى إِذَا ضَاقَتْ عَلَيْهِمُ الْأَرْضُ بِمَا رَحُبَتْ وَضَاقَتْ عَلَيْهِمْ أَنفُسُهُمْ وَظَنُّوا أَلَّا مَلْجَأَ مِنَ اللَّهِ إِلَّا إِلَيْهِ And Allah also turned in mercy to the three who remained behind, whose guilt distressed them until the earth, despite its vastness, seemed to close in on them and their souls were torn in anguish. They knew then that there was no refuge from Allah except in Him. Then He turned to them in mercy so that they might repent. Surely Allah alone is the acceptor of repentance, the most merciful. And then Allah reminds us about the importance of being in good company. Just like we talked about the man who killed a hundred people and he sought out the righteous. And there are people on the face of this earth today who being in their company will transform your heart, will turn a wretched heart into a pious heart. And those gatherings and those people and those places exist, even in today's world, in this late uh, time in the era of Akhir zaman Then Allah says, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu. Oh, you who believe, O oh believers, be mindful of Allah 
and be with the people who are true, people of true states with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and people of truth. So this is what was revealed when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bestowed this tawbah upon Sayyidina Ka'b uh, ibn Malik radiallahu anhu and the two other sahaba who stayed behind and this was the best, uh, uh, the best day of their lives and this was a day of celebration and what day is that? The day that Allah forgave them. So this all goes back to celebrating tawbah honoring this transformative step that we all need to take with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is the asas of the tariq. It's the foundation of the spiritual path. And it is our first real step towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We ask Allah to give us a sincere repentance. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us the love of the Sahaba, the love of the Ahlul Bayt, the love of the Prophet وسلم, the love of the righteous, and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows these meanings to reach our hearts, and that through Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy upon us, we have a successful and sincere and everlasting tawbah. Inshallah, we'll uh, take some time now for questions. La ilaha illallah. We're just going to have to refresh the questions, inshallah ta'ala. So referring to your answer earlier, this is a question about repenting from inward sin and uh, advising the questioner to reference certain books of tasawwuf. What is a good book for beginners if the Ihya Ulum al-Din is advanced? The best book for the vast majority of the Ummah is the Book of Assistance by Imam al-Haddad. The Book of Assistance by Imam al-Haddad has everything we need and is very accessible. And it's something that we will, inshallah, devote the rest of our lives to, but it is accessible and understandable. And I would recommend, inshallah, starting there. And that book has immense blessing and has changed not just the lives of people, but the lives of entire uh, communities and, and countries. So uh, I'd recommend starting there. Uh, how do we return to the mercy of Allah when we have layers of years of not having a good opinion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Uh, it might take a little bit of time. But this is why knowledge is so important and sound knowledge with a connected chain of transmission to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa is important. But one of the greatest and most powerful means to successfully cure oneself with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's permission and assistance is through learning about the life of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wasallam, his beautiful and sublime qualities and character traits, especially his mercy and his love and care for his ummah and how he is the manifestation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy for creation as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, 
We sent you only as a mercy to all of creation. Al-Alameen is everything other than Allah, all of creation. And uh, sending abundant salawat upon the Prophet that will open up a door in your heart and in your understanding of accessing the sound understanding of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy and of nearness to Him and will open the door of having a good opinion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and assist you in putting everything in its proper place along with a continued a commitment to sound knowledge and learning. Wallahu a'lam. Now the next question is, how do we not fall into despair when we keep on inclining towards sins and our repentance weakens? We should go back to the example of the man who killed a hundred people. Is that even in that last moment, the shaitan might have even whispered to him, in that moment, you're unsuccessful. You're about to die. You haven't done any good in your life. Yet he pushed his chest forward. Whatever good you can do, even if it's just one atom's weight of turning yourself to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, push yourself in that direction. And they say that even if your heart is inclined towards being like the righteous, that will be a key that will open that door for you in your time of need, bi-idhnillahi ta'ala. But uh, uh, muster whatever energy you have towards that. And even if you fall into the same sin a thousand times, keep turning back to Allah. Astaghfirullah, 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 astaghfirullah. Ya Allah, I hate the fact that I keep making that same mistake. Ya Allah, please grant me a transformative and successful tawbah and stay committed to that. One of the salihin, he asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for 20 years for a sincere tawbah. 20 years he made that dua. And then finally, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted him a high degree of that, he wondered, he said, I've been asking 20 years, why did it take so long? And then the, the answer came to him that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Inna Allah, Allah loves the people who constantly and regularly turn back to him. So he said, in order for you to be of those people who is given Allah's love, isn't it worth asking for 20 years to be granted that? So then he realized what he was asking for was something very lofty and opens doors of even greater gifts so never lose hope never give up and the shaitan that's what he wants you to do he wants you to think that you're filthy he wants you to think that you're good for nothing he wants you to think that you'll never be like the righteous and even if you can muster up the smallest amount of determination and energy to turn back to allah do that and say ya allah i'm placing my trust in you ya allah i want nearness to you and inshallah, that'll be a, a means of great good. Uh, and Allah knows best. Mm. How do we become more like Sayyidina Ka'ab ibn Malik عنه, attaining his courage in speaking the truth and not disobeying Allah's command, even amidst an environment of tribulation? One of the things that Sayyidina Ka'ab ibn Malik عنه, his courage to speak the truth was rooted in his iman was rooted in the fact that sometimes our 
uh, our inclination or the mistake that we made uh, goes against what we really know in our heart. It happens. I know I shouldn't do this, but, you know, I gave in to my nafs. But I know that it's wrong, and I'm not going to defend it. And I'm not going to make two mistakes by defending my, my first mistake. So Sayyidina Ka'b ibn Malik, he knew uh, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would know that if he lied. And that if he lied, it's going to come back to him in one way or another, even if it seems like in the moment it's going to be a solution, it's not a solution. Lying is never a solution. And speaking the truth, even if in the moment, if it seems like this might get me, uh, this might not work out in the easy way that I want it to, if you speak the truth, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you relief in, in its appointed time. That's number one. And number two is knowing that every tribulation and every difficulty has its appointed time. And that 50 days for Sayyidina Ka'b ibn Malik, it probably felt like an eternity. Can you imagine your greatest beloved closer to them than their own fathers and mothers, the Prophet not speaking to the Prophet for 50 days? That must have been very difficult to bear. But then when that call came out and he went straight into sujood, imagine the joy, the relief, the, the, the reassurance that he had directly from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the patience that he had in that tribulation. Even though it was a difficulty, how many other people have verses of the Qur'an confirming their repentance and forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it's worth it. And when we look at the examples of the Sahaba and we look at the examples of the Prophet we realize that it's all worth it. So uh, uh, inshallah, when we read the stories of the Sahaba, when we read the stories of the Prophets and Messengers in the Quran, when we learn about the lives of the righteous, that is one of the strongest sources for uh, uh, inspiring us and allowing us to remain steadfast as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran that we tell you the best of stories to make your heart steadfast and to face different tribulations and difficulties through the, the source of strength that you get from the prophets and the messengers and the sahaba and the righteous. So their stories is already in and of itself a means of strength and support for us. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to increase us in every blessing and to connect us to the Prophet ﷺ and to connect us to the Sahaba, the people of sincere repentance and all of the righteous. And inshallah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes our last words as we leave this dunya. La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam mutahakikina bihaqa iqiha hissan wa ma'na zahir wa batin wa sallallahu ta'ala ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alayhi wa sallam wa alaykum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala barak.